Well, uh, many things on my heart and mind today that I would love to share with you. I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at it in just a moment. You know, West Coast Baptist College is all about training laborers for His harvest. That's right. I hope that's deeply ingrained in your hearts and minds, and many of you have it, because you were able to finish that statement. Well, being in the work of the harvest is also being trained for the work of the what? Ministry. That's right. It's training for the work of the ministry. And I want to look at that phrase today, the work of the ministry. I believe appropriate being we have ministry representatives here. and You're all training to be one of those laborers in the harvest and in the ministry. And I must say today, I love the ministry. I thank God for the ministry. I've been privileged now to be in it full time for 23 years. It's hard to believe. I know I do not look that old. Go ahead and say amen. Thank you very much. But 23 years, I thank God for each and every year. I love the ministry. But you know, I remember when I was a senior in high school, we as seniors had our own little lunch room. They had set aside a room just for us to go eat, and we thought we were awesome. We thought we were cool getting to have our own little lunch room. And we'd go in there, and we were talking. We had a, a close, a small uh, senior class. I think we had 20 seniors in our class that year. And, uh, and we were just sitting around talking. We always had good fellowship. We were involved in sports together and, and senior plays and a lot of things like going on here at LBS. And we were just enjoying the time. And we got to talking about our summer jobs and after we graduated, what we were going to be doing. And uh, so everybody was just kind of comparing notes and what was coming up. Maybe we were going to college and that kind of thing. And it came around to me and what I was going to be doing. And I told him, I said, well, I'm going to be working in the maintenance crew here at our church. And, uh, and that was no new news to them. I had done that after my freshman year, sophomore, junior, and now my senior year. It was going to be my fourth summer working in the maintenance crew uh, for my church. And, uh, and I had one of the girls in the class, and I don't know what was necessarily in her heart, so I won't judge her motives, but she said to me, John, when are you going to get a real job? Yes, thank you. I was there in that moment of awe. <laughs> I was taken back. And I thought, well, I guess when I quit working with real people and I quit getting a real paycheck, I'll get a real job. But all those things were happening thus far. I didn't say that. I didn't verbalize. I just kind of like, well, I don't know if I've got to go work at Chick-fil-A. I've got to go to Walgreens or Walmart to have a real job. But I tell you, I was thankful that really I was already in ministry. Already serving. It was cutting grass and weed eating and painting and working in the restrooms and all that kind of stuff. But I was already in ministry. And I'm telling you, for those days and in these days, it was real work. It's something that you have to put your hand to the plow for. And I pray that that is the heartbeat here at West Coast Baptist College and our mentality about the work of God, the work of the ministry. You know, Jesus personified ministry. There are two descriptions of the type of minister that our Lord was as he was an example to each one of us. Very quickly, but just by way of introduction, I want to look at those two types of minister that he was. You don't have to turn there, just want to reference this. Again, we're coming to Romans 15 in just a moment. But Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. 
The word there to minister is that Greek word diakoneo that means to serve. You've heard it before in reference to deacons. It literally means to serve and to wait on tables. Jesus came with that heart set and that mindset to wait on tables. And so the ministry of our Lord was all about tables. But not only was it all about tables, it was also all about towels. John chapter 13 and verse 5 says, And after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Well, in those last moments before the crucifixion, Jesus had that time with the disciples. He was teaching them the principle of the towel in washing their feet and showing them the mindset of being a servant. And that the greatest among them was to be servant of all. And so Jesus had this ministry of tables and of towels. Hey, listen, students, Jesus did not lead his disciples to try to claim some type of title. He wanted them to wait on tables and to carry towels. You know, we look for those titles sometimes. You know, maybe you've already thought in your heart and mind, man, when I get an office one of these days and I'm in ministry, what's going to be out there? Is it going to be youth pastor? Is it going to be, you know, senior executive pastor? What's going to be there? Is it going to be school teacher? What's going to be there? What's that title? Well, you know what? We're not training for titles here at West Coast. We're training to, to wait tables and to, to carry towels. I honestly learned this and it came very clear in my mind. I had a, a dear friend who was graduating from Christian college and he had been out in life and had been married and had children and had owned his own business and God caught him in the ministry and he went to a small Bible college and when he graduated, the day of graduation, I was there, we'd become good friends. And after he walked across the stage and received his diploma and had his regalia on, as he's walking off the stage, the particular college there had another person stationed right at the base of the steps. And at the base of the steps, everyone that was going across, him included, they were handing him and handing those graduates a towel. And it was to be representative of this ministry that Jesus had to wait on tables and to wash feet. You know, one of my very first recollections of ministry was going soul winning with my dad. And at the time, I was really young, and I didn't realize it was soul winning or specifically what we were doing. But we were going out one Thursday night. And, and in those days, my dad taught a fourth through sixth grade junior boys Sunday school class. He loved that class. I remember watching him put time into it each and every week. And he loved to do object lessons and to show different things. He was a photographer. And, uh, and in being a photographer, he had tripods and a lot of equipment and this kind of thing. And I'll never forget, even for his fourth through sixth grade boys one time, he took the leg off of one of his tripods and he put on the end of it a snake's head. And he had figured out the way to take that tripod that looked just like a staff for Moses. And then when he threw it on the ground, he shifted the leg up on that tripod and the snake, came, the snake head came. I thought that was the coolest thing. My dad is awesome. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but he loved those boys. And, and in those days, we had bus ministry and our, our bus children and also our drive-in children. They all, we were all in the same classes. And so from time to time, we would go visit both uh, types of children. And, 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 and that particular day, we were going to one of our bus visits. 
Well, this particular visit was in probably the worst neighborhood in our area. It had an awful reputation. Matter of fact, they had put a police substation in that neighborhood, right in the middle of the neighborhood because it was so rough and, uh, and had such a bad, bad name. Well, we went in there and I was real small and I could kind of tell, you know, we were not in Kansas anymore, that kind of thing. You know, my, my neighborhood was uh, called Green Pines. We weren't in Green Pines anymore. And I was looking around and we went up to a house and it was a housing development, a housing project. And, uh, and dad knocked on the door and somebody hollered from inside and I heard the voice of a little boy and the little boy came to the door and dad started talking to him. And, and uh, pretty soon, not, at, not long after that, the, da uh, the dad of the little boy came to the door as well. So dad talked to him there for just a few moments and not long into the conversation, I could tell that this guy was not like my dad. Man, he was just really rough around the edges. And, and honestly, it was a little boy. I even remember I could smell him. All right. And it was the aroma of not Tide detergent. OK, it was something else. And I could I was catching this odor. And of course, I didn't know what it was. And he had been smoking and drinking a little bit and that kind of thing. And so not long in the conversation, he starts cussing at my dad. And I'm thinking as a seven-year-old boy, I'm thinking, man, my dad hadn't done anything but come try to be a blessing to you. And, and it was a little unnerving because I'd never heard anybody curse at my father before. But in the midst of that, my dad, he stayed cool as a cucumber. And man, he just was taking it all in. And cool as a cucumber, that's a southern term. Sorry about that. Some of you are... Grabbing hold of that, all right. Finest frog hair, cool as a cucumber. There's a lot of stuff I could say, all right. But he just took it all in and he just took it right all in stride and he continued to be kind and Christ-like to this gentleman. And I remember seeing, for the first time as a little boy, I remember seeing ministry. I remember seeing a towel. <laughs> I remember seeing my dad there on those steps waiting at a table, as it were. And God using that in my life. And I thought, you know what? I can do that. I can, I, can, I can have that kind of life, that kind of ministry. Well, I want us to notice, not only is it towels and tables, but there are three things about, I believe, the ministry and the work of the ministry that are to characterize our lives in ministry. And Paul gives them in Romans chapter 15. I want you to notice with me there, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Circle that word. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. I believe this first work of ministry is number one, the work of edification. We see it there in the scripture. The Bible says that we are that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves and to let every one of us please his neighbor. Notice for his good to edification. Now this word edification there, it's an architectural term. It literally means to build up. And we know all about building around here. So many buildings have been built over the years of our pastor's ministry. And we thank God for the Elder Lofgren Transportation Facility that has come up and has been dedicated. But the building up, there's an edification there. Well, within this building up, I want us to notice a couple terms that we see here even in verse 1 and a few of the other verses. In this edification, this building up, there's number one, there's the lifting he says there, we ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. 
bear the infirmities. Now this word, these words bear the infirmities, it literally means to lift. Very simple. Just simply means to lift. You know, a few weeks ago, I was at homecoming here at Lancaster Baptist School, and we were enjoying the festivities, and the game had started, and I was over on the sideline. I was kind of behind where the football players were. And I had just gotten through fellowshipping with several guys, and I actually found myself kind of over there to myself, by myself, although the crowd was all around. I was watching the game. And as I was watching the game, one of our dear ladies came walking by, and literally, in a split second, she fell. I mean, just fell right there out of nowhere. Well, when she fell, I didn't automatically judge her like, what's going on, lady? Well, you almost fell on me, you know, that kind of thing. Or would somebody try to trip her? Or I didn't try to analyze the situation. What, do I, what did I do? Just out of instinct, I reached for her to try to do what? Edify her. <laughs> Lift. Well, you know what? There are folks, and from time to time, it's even us. We fall down in our Christian walk. We fall down in life. We stumble. And God has given us in the work of the ministry, this ministry of edification to bear the infirmities of one another and to bear the infirmities of the weak. And it just simply means to lift. So I ask you, when's the last time you helped to lift someone? Man, I think right now in my own connection group, I have a couple that has recently gotten saved. And God's putting their home back together. They have some small children and two of the children have already been saved. Two out of the five. And it's so exciting to watch all that. But they have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. I remember even yesterday, we just started discipleship with them. And what I had to do was uh, I, I took a, a card table, put it in the back of my truck and three chairs. And instead of going in the house where the children were playing, we set up that card table and chairs right outside their house. And, uh, and we sat down and did discipleship right on the front doorstep there. And, 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 and what am I doing with them? I'm just trying to simply provide a little bit of lift, a little bit of lift to help them in their Christian walk and their Christian journey. So I ask you, have you lifted anyone lately? Have you waited on anyone's table lately? Have you girded yourself with a towel lately? Are you involved in the work of the ministry? This is the ministry. There's not only the lifting, but there's also the pleasing. Look in verse 2. The Bible says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Verse 3. For even Christ please not himself. You know, this idea of pleasing here is not of running around pleasing people, but the idea is of willing service rendered to others or to be agreeable. Rendering service to others, not just rendering the service, but a willing service that we're re rendering. You know, I think uh, there have been plenty of times where, and maybe we've all had this situation. You know, you've been to a restaurant, you're being waited on by a waiter or wait waitress, and you can tell that they're thinking more of their next break and the tip you're going to give them than they really are on the service that they're providing for you. <laughs> they're in mode, but they're not in that willing to serve mode. Well, listen, may we all be fully engaged in the work of the ministry by the lifting and by the pleasing as we see it here in the Word of God as Paul was encouraging these Romans. But not only is it the work... Uh, not only do we see this morning this work uh, of this lifting and this pleasing, but we also see the work of encouragement. Not only this work of edification, but this work of encouragement. Look there with me in verse 4. 
The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. He's referencing the Old Testament Scriptures. That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. The work of edification is the work of the ministry, but also the work of encouragement. Now, this word here that we see in the scripture, there we're looking at this word consolation in verse 5, is where we get our word encouragement. It's an encouraging, it's a, it's a solace there also. And we receive encouragement from the Lord through His Word as given to us in verse 4. And by receiving that encouragement from the Lord through His Word, we then are to encourage other people. Hey, listen, the campus of West Coast Baptist College should be one of the most encouraging places in the nation. As we're training for ministry, we ought to be cheering for one another. Man, when those tests and those quizzes are coming up, those hardships that we hear about at home, those dorm devotions, those times of Sunday school at night in our different classes, we ought to encourage one another in the ministry. The ministry is the work of encouragement. We're not careful. We get in our own lane. And it's just what's going on in our lives. And we fail to see the needs of others. I'll never forget when I was in college, and I'm not recommending doing this, okay? This illustration that's coming from the annals of Brother William's history, all right? We were in the dorm, I was living in the dorm, and we had a guy, and I'm telling you, he was just messy. <laughs> he was filthy. He left his stuff all over the place. He didn't clean up after himself in the restroom, all this kind of stuff. And some of us other guys in the dorm, we decided what we were going to do. We are kind of going to do it in two phases to see if we could teach this guy a lesson, all right? And thankfully, our dorm supervisor was gracious to us uh, in this once he found out what had happened. But we took all of his clothes that were laying, I mean all over the place, and we hid them up in the ceiling, okay, in the grid. Now, we were nice enough guys that we left one little strand hanging right out of the ceiling. That way he could see it and wonder, hmm, what's up there? And he'd pull it down and poof, and there they all came, okay? We were not involved. We were trying to encourage him, all right, but we were encouraging him in the wrong way, okay? So don't, don't take that idea. And then he didn't get the idea even after all that. And so we finally took all of his stuff and we threw it in a place outside, okay? Right outside the dorm. Again, don't take uh, that as a suggestion to do. But we were not in the right ministry of encouragement for this guy who needed some encouragement. But God in ministry has given us a ministry of encouragement. There in verses 4, 5, and 6, we find several words. We find the word patience. I believe encouragement comes through patience with one another. I believe encouragement comes through comfort. We find that word in verse 4. I believe that encouragement comes through praise. Verse 6, he says, that ye may come, or that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Encouragement by praise. And then I believe there's also encouragement by acceptance. Verse 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. They needed to be encouraged by the Apostle Paul to receive one another. And we encourage one another by an acceptance that we give. So the work of the ministry is a work of edification. It's a work of encouragement. And then he emphasizes one other thing I believe in this passage. It's a work of evangelism. Look at verse 16. The scripture says, 
that I should be the minister. There he uses that word. The minister of Jesus Christ who? To the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Verse 21, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. The work of evangelism, I believe the work of evangelism is summed in just a few things here. First of all, whenever we're considering the work of the ministry being an evangelist and being an evangelism, there are always people, number one, people involved. We find in verse 16, for the Apostle Paul, it was the Gentiles. My pastor growing up, if I heard him say it once, I've heard him say it a thousand times. People are the work of God. People are the work of God. Say that with me. You ready to begin? People are the work of God. One more time. People are the work of God. In evangelizing this world, it's always got to be about people. And for the Apostle Paul, again, it was the Gentiles. Now it's exciting. Whatever people you're going to go to, right now while you're in college and you're here, it's the people of Lancaster and Palmdale. And some of you going up to Roseman and some of you going to Mojave and other places. That's where the people are. That's the ministry. May we never, ever forget that. But it's exciting to know that some of you, just like many of our other graduates, you're literally going to go around the world. Hey, don't forget, it's not always about your spreadsheets and yeah, we've got to be organized with ministry. It's not always about uh, the things that you know online and the, the, the flashy things that you can put up on the screen and, and all those things. Yes, that's all a part of it. But may we never forget in this world that God's left us to live and breathe and to have our being. It's about people. People are the work of God. People will always be the work of God. But in this evangelism, this work of the ministry, not only do we have the people, but we also have, look at verse 19, we have the power. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. There's a power. But we don't ever forget that. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who's to empower us in this ministry. So there's the people, there's the power, and then there's also the places. He says here in his own testimony, from Jerusalem even unto Illyricum, where Christ has never been preached. I don't know what the place is going to be for you. I don't know if it's going to be Nigeria. I don't know if it's going to be somewhere here in California. If it's going to be in Canada. If it's going to be in South America. It may be somewhere to the uttermost part of the earth. But God has a place in mind for you. A place of ministry. Hey, listen. It might have come to fruition today through one of the meetings that you've had with the folks that have come here from all around our country and around the world. A place. God has a place for you. You know, as I think about in closing today, I can recall the story of a young couple, a young couple that desperately wanted to have children. And they had prayed and they had prayed and they had prayed for about 10 years. The husband came from a family of 11 children. Do we have anybody in here that's in a, a, the family of 11 children? Do we have anybody like that? Okay, good deal. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few. All right. Awesome. Well, the, the husband came from a family of 11 children. The wife, she came from a much smaller family, but she had in her heart a large family, and that's what she wanted. 
But the doctor said to this young couple, you'll never have children. It's very much a physiological thing with her and that her womb was just too small, they had determined. Well, they continued to pray, as I said, for 10 long years. Then finally, on April the 29th, 1937, in rural North Carolina, God gave Gilbert Eileen Williams a son, and his name was Willis Marvin Williams. Those were my grandparents, and that is my dad. Now you think about that and let some of these details settle in. There was a 10-year span in their heart and mind that they had prayed, and God's timing was all a part of this and was going to continue to unfold. Well, my dad grew up as just a little boy uh, during those World War II days, and he got to see and experience and hear a lot of that and growing up on a, a, in a farmer's home there in North Carolina. But as he grew up, he met uh, his future wife. Her name was Nancy Vinson. And they met on a blind date. And after they had dated a while, they were married on August the 12th, 1960. Now, they believed as well, just like my William's grandparents, uh, they believed as well that God wanted them to have children. And they prayed and they prayed. And over a 10-year span of time, God gave them a son. His name was Stephen. Stephen only lived about 24 hours. And God took him home to heaven. And then, a few years later, God gave them twin girls. God gave them a little girl named Melody and gave them a little girl named Mandy. And both of those twin girls only lived about 24 hours, and God took them home. So now it had been about 10 years, and finally God answered their prayers again. And on May the 4th of 1970, God gave them a son, and that was my brother, Timothy Willis Williams. Where's Alyssa? Represent over here, Alyssa. That's her dad, all right, my niece over there. Well, God finally gave them a son. Now you think about it. I came along, you know, God always leaves the best to last, okay? Amen. That's right. So I came along about four years later, April the 16th. Now, April the 16th, okay? I'm just throwing that out there. You might make a note of that. That's my birthday. You're with me. All right, good. And April the 16th, I came and discovered America. And, uh, <laughs> and that was... 14 years after mom and dad started praying. So my grandparents on the Williams side, 10 years, and now 14 years later, that's a span of 24 years in man's timing. Okay, follow this, track with me here. Potentially, if God had have wanted me on the scene and my grandparents that had had my dad 10 years earlier, and then my parents would have had me 14 years earlier, I could potentially be 24 years older today, all right? And that would put me at 69, all right? Now, that was not God's timing and His plan. Guess what? God wanted me to be alive and to have ministry in 2019, and I'm hoping beyond. But that was God's timing. And you understand, students, that God's timing in ministry is also unfolding in your life right now. 
God has you at West Coast Baptist College in 2019 to prepare for a life of ministry, which hopefully will be a life of edification and a life of encouragement and a life of evangelism. He has you here just like Queen Esther for such a time as this. There's no mistaking in God's timing. He has some of these ministry partners here today for His timing, for His will to unfold in your life and in their ministry. God's timing is perfect. And right now, His timing in your life is all about ministry. So I'm asking you the question this morning. As we think about ministry, and as we think about God having us here for this time of ministry, how effective am I being? Am I effective at all? Am I walking around looking to, to have a title? Or am I walking around looking to wait on tables? Am I walking around seeing who is going to wait on me? Or am I walking around with a towel girded about and whose feet I can wash? Am I going to have a ministry that's typical of a, the ministry in the life of Jesus Christ? Or am I going to have a ministry that is, is determined by something in my heart and mind that, that puts me on a stage or, and a level of prestige? May God wash our minds of this. And I believe the Apostle Paul in the, 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 this chapter of Romans, this letter to these Romans was trying to help them and encourage them in the work of the ministry. It's a privilege to serve the Lord in full-time ministry. It's a privilege to look to edify and encourage and evangelize. But again, the question is, how effective will we be in the timing that God has given us in this world to serve this generation for the cause of Christ?